the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hi, I'm Eric Galindo Training Director for the FSI Training School For individuals and businesses we offer certification courses in CPR and First Aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. And Jacob in the house. Someday, someday, when you're good enough, and, 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 and I like you enough, and you're my good side enough, we'll put your name Actually, introductions, Jacob. So sorry about that. I truly, uh, truly it, it does not trouble me. It's an honor to just be in your just presence. be in the house. What yeah. a thing! What a man. Where's your? Have you got your questions? Uh, I do. I have my questions. Okay, I dropped one on the floor, folks. Sorry about that. Uh, uh, yep. 
What's I can't up? See it. Okay. Now I know what questions were. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. I, I got the right questions in front of me, I guess. Ah. Oh, that's good. That's okay. good. Uh, this and, is a good thing. And here's your questions for next week, by the way, my good friend. Oh. For, don't get them mixed up with tonight's because we don't want our listeners to get confused thinking we're we're ahead of ourselves tonight. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us. This is the Bible Live. We are making our way through the entire Bible every year. We read through it. Uh, we we don't have our Monday through Friday program any longer. Well, you know, I, I want to so badly that I want to return. I'd love to put the scriptures back on the airwaves. Uh, we we really need to pull together a significant amount of financial support to do that. But I'm working on it. I'm talking to people. I'm sharing the vision. I personally think, Jacob, it yes. would be a great blessing to our city, to any city yes. that would broadcast God's word. Uh-huh on the public airwaves yes. for the families and individuals across our city. Now, I have people, even in my own family, that tell me, Jacob, that, oh, people can listen to the Bible. People have the Bible so many form nowadays. If they want to hear the Bible, they can go to the, they can go to on Google, and they can get any, any format. They can get any version of the Bible. If people want to hear the Bible, they can. You don't need. But, th- see, it's different. We're putting it. We're putting it out there, available on the airways. In their see, I I think a lot of people who hear the Bible live or heard the Bible live when it was on, I think they weren't out there looking for the Bible. They weren't out there going, "I want to find a show that has the Bible on it." I think they were out there pushing buttons and turning dials and going, "Hmm, that's good. That's interesting. There's some music. There's this guy. There's that guy. Oh, what is this? Wow, that's the Bible." Man, that's interesting. Oh, I thought you were going to say, wow, it's soapy. No, 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 no. It isn't about soapy at all. It's about, and I think people discover it, and I think it's one of those kind of things. People don't necessarily set out to read the Bible, but once they start hearing it, mm-hmm. they go, wow, that's the Bible. I, I never read the Bible before, so that's what the Bible sounds like. So that's what the Bible is, and and that's why I think it's so important to have it out there. I think we get tens of thousands of people listening to the Bible who've never heard it before and didn't intend to hear it, but they're in their car, they're going to work, they're going back home or headed out, and they and they and they go, "Wow, this is interesting. I want to hear this," and that and that happens. I'm I'm certain of it. In fact, I know it happens because we had many many listeners call in and tell us that happened to them as they were driving along. Maybe a guy doing a night. A night uh, run in his his truck, you know, delivering food or supplies somewhere across the state of Texas, and he would come across South Texas and hear the Bible and think, "Wow, that's that's really great." So, folks, if if you'd like to join us in that, I, I mean, maybe you're a Gideon at heart. Our dear brothers and sisters in the ministry called the Gideons, they love to put the Bible in hotel uh, bedside tables. They like to put the Bible in public places so that people discover it and hear it and sit out and read it. And lives are changed. They're great stories of people who went in with the idea, who knows, even committing suicide or hopelessness or despair. And they, they discover God's word and they read on a bedside table and they, they find hope. They find uh, the God of the Bible and, and uh, their lives are changed. There's There's so many stories of that. So, uh, we're trying to be the Gideons of the airwaves, all right? We're putting it out there, getting, making it available. Now, we've read through, we just started our 16th time through the Bible. Our readings this past week came from uh, the book of Genesis and the first six chapters of the book 
of Exodus. We started ver, uh, chapter 36 of the book of Genesis. Now remember, Genesis is the book of beginnings. That's what the word means, beginnings. <laughs> and a lot of the basic truths, the basic funda- fundamental foundational truths and principles that we live in every day, today ourselves still, are put in place and set in place there in the book of Genesis as things begin. And we're going to talk about some of those tonight, uh, kind of walk through them in a, in a way of review. And then uh, and it's a book that starts in a garden, right, Jacob? And it ends in a coffin in Egypt. <laughs> That's kind of the picturesque way of saying it. It starts in a beautiful garden. It ends in a coffin in Egypt, and we'll, how did it get there? Where did, how did it move from there? We'll we'll talk about that a little bit tonight. Chapters thirty six through fifty, and then we went six chapters into the book of Exodus, which covers essentially the the um, the formation. I, I would you say the formalized? It's not <clears throat> it's not the beginning of the people of God, but <clears throat> with the giving of the the laws of God at Mount Sinai which you have uh, helped me understand is an actual re-giving. It's, 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 yeah, it's a re-giving. It's not the first time God uh, uh, gave his laws or or revealed his laws to mankind. You you made us see that last week. Was it last week you were telling us about that? It could have been a couple of weeks. Okay. Uh, but God, in this dramatic moment, coming out of Egypt, uh, the people of uh, Israel plus the... Uh, the throng. What do you call them? Always the uh, something throng. Oh uh, no! Mixed multitude. Mixed multitude is what they say in, okay. in the English. Yeah. The mixed multitude. Uh, not only the people of Israel who were down there right. for four four hundred years or so, but also uh, many Egyptians and many people of other nationalities and so on that came out of Egypt mm-hmm. with them. Right. They are all there, um, baptized in a sense, in a way, into the, to become Israel. This. This this people group it is going to be known for their faith and devotion to the to the one true living God, the creator. And uh, that is the beginning. And I guess it's a significant step forward in the formalization, in a sense, of the people of God. Right. It's a more it's a marked moment when when the laws of God are revealed to what a couple of million people at the same time all together two million yeah yeah it's outside of each of israel which is actually an some say point. two and a half million but who's mm-hmm. counting but who's counting that's right so anyway we'll talk about that and get you to uh weigh in on that as well and we'll talk a little bit about joseph we'll talk about how did they get from the garden down to uh, a coffin in egypt and then this idea of coming out once the coffin in egypt is really you know, a, a part of the idea that the people of Israel were taking were found themselves in bondage and slavery down in Egypt, and then God delivers them through this leader, this one named Moses, brings them out. So we'll talk about all of that, and at the same time, we might give you a few questions from uh, our readings, let you call in, answer a question if you'd like, and. Uh, kind of highlight your your biblical knowledge and give us a thought and maybe that would lead us as well in some conversations let me give a few questions from the book of uh psalms in the psalms this week we read uh chapters 11 through 15 chapters 11 through 15 
in the book of Psalms, and I don't have the pins on it. Here we go. Let me give you a couple of questions. And then Jacob, I think, has already chosen some questions from Genesis, maybe even from Exodus. I don't know. And uh, we can put those out there for you as well. So here are the questions. You can give us a call, 340-9585, anytime you'd like, and uh, answer questions or uh, join our discussion. We're going to talk, like I said, I want to review real quickly uh, a couple of items from the actual readings. We'll talk about Joseph and some things that Jacob has discovered and wants to highlight for us. I want us to take a moment to review some of these basic principles that are set in place in the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, and that we still live with today. In fact, I think it's very relevant. We've just come through uh, uh, a very important political election here in our in our country. And that election, uh, the differences between the candidates, the differences between the philosophies of parties and so on, a lot of those differences have to do with the way we view basic reality. God, God's character, men, mankind, what are what, what is the truth about human beings, and uh, uh, so on. So we've got some principles that we could talk about coming from the Scriptures, and uh, maybe that'll help you understand maybe some of the differences that we see even in our own society today. From the Psalms, here is a um, question for you. It's a little bit... Of, it's a little bit controversial Uh oh. according to psalm 11 verse 5 now jacob may correct me because he's got his interlinear hebrew scriptures with him actually that is only the single book it does not have the oh it doesn't have the psalms okay so that way you may not contradict me i don't know according to psalm 11 verse 5 whom does god get ready for the word hate that's okay. Is that all right? Yeah, sure. Whom does God hate? Psalm eleven, verse five. A lot of a lot of people think, "Whoa, God hates somebody." That that can't be true. And maybe it has a special significance or understanding. But that's the word. That's the word we see here in uh, the scriptures. You got it, John. Yes. Okay, we're moving the phones around so we can take your phone call, folks. So give us a call if you'd like. Three four zero ninety five. 85. According to Psalm 11, verse 5, whom does God hate? Now let me give you another one. I'll, I'll give you, <laughs> maybe I'll give you a little less um, less controversial. Um, in Psalm 13, let's look at Psalm 13, the whole psalm all together, taken together. Uh, God, uh, David begins the psalm. In anguish and sorrow, David begins Psalm 13. The the mood is anguish and sorrow. Uh, He asked God the same question four times in the first two verses. (laughs) What is that question that David asked God four times in the first two verses? Uh, Some of you may... (laughs) Some of you may be familiar with his questions because we've probably been asking God those same uh, the, that same question uh, over and over again ourselves. Okay, what is the question that God that David asked God four times in the first two verses in Psalm thirteen? Okay, and then let me give him one more. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to come up with one that's really kind of. How about this one? 
If I decide to believe a certain thing about God, the Bible says that I am both foolish and wicked. What is that belief? If I decide to believe a certain thing about God, the Bible says, not Soapy Dollar, not Jacob, uh, the Bible says that I am both foolish and wicked. What is that belief? What is it that we can believe about God uh, that the Bible states that we are both foolish and wicked for believing? Is there a psalm they might look at for that? Oh, okay, sure. Uh, no, there's not. Well, look at Psalm yes, 14. There is. Yeah. Look at your question. Okay, <laughs> there it is. Whoa. It appeared out of nowhere, Jacob. Psalm 14, verse well, 1. Well, what do you know? And it's a, and that same sense, that same idea, truth, concept is found in, in a number of different passages. But you can find it in Psalm 14, verse 1. All right, let's go to the book of Genesis well, and let yeah. you... Okay, in kind of a, keeping with a general theme, let's just do your number one. Okay. It says, what gift did Jacob give? I, first of all, I want to say, I forgot my glasses. So I'm doing the best I can. Okay. But the question may come out brand new to all of us. <laughs> okay. Uh, what gift did Jacob uh, give Joseph that indicated he favored Joseph over his other sons? Is that okay? Is that an okay yeah, question? sure. Why not? Do, 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 do uh, Hebrews and Jewish people generally believe that that's true? I'm used to your. I'm used to asking a question, and you're going, "Well, you know, that's not actually so." So, well, I, I, actually, that's coming up. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> but not on this one. Not so, on this one. Uh, the okay. answer is in uh, thirty-seven three of Genesis. Genesis thirty-seven verse three. What gift did Jacob give to his son Joseph that indicated that he favored Joseph over his other sons? Sure, Ooh, people should know that. Well, sure they should. Yeah, it's even used. Uh, may I say, in the Christian world, as a uh, a type or foreshadow, I believe, is the term they use of something in the future. Uh, the ro- the rope of Jesus. Oh, is that right? Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. You didn't okay. come on. Interesting. So. Okay. Yeah. Hey, you know that. What are you doing? You acting like you don't know something? This is the first time you looked at this. <laughs> yes, first okay. time I've ever seen All this. Right. Let's see. Uh, and then, uh, keeping with that theme, mm-hmm. um, it says uh, number four. It was my idea. Uh, to sell Joseph as a slave to a caravan of Ishmaelite traders. Who am I? Answer, 3726. Genesis 37, verse 26. Whose idea was it to sell Joseph? It might as well give a hint. It was one of his brothers, right? Uh, an older brother. It was one of their idea to sell Joseph as a slave. And uh-huh. it, it was a replacement idea. Really, actually... It sounds terrible, but it it was better than the alternative that was being offered at the time, I think, right? Mm-hmm. It seems to me that they were actually um, going to do something worse, but they this fellow talked them into selling Joseph as a slave to a caravan of traders. And uh, who is it that talked them into doing that? Which uh, I, Genesis thirty-seven twenty-six. Okay, and uh, in your. Uh Number three, let's say. This is oh, all right together. Backing up to number three. Okay, yeah, yeah. goodness. You. Uh, as the You're oldest, not even going to get out of chapter 37, are you? Well, uh, yeah, next two questions. Okay. Okay. Uh, as the eldest son, I talked my brothers into putting Joseph into a deep pit instead of killing him. 
Who am I? 3722 in Genesis. Okay. The, the older brother, the oldest son, right. talked his brothers into, instead of killing Joseph, yeah. <laughs> gosh. Oh, I tell you what, how did they get it? I, I, I've heard of, you know, dysfunctional families, but this was crazy. I talked my brothers uh, into putting Joseph into a deep pit sure. instead of killing him. Who was that? Uh, you no. can give us the answer. And, 340-9585. Well, let's do uh, just one more of this. Okay. Sure. And then we'll, okay. Why did Potiphar throw Joseph in prison? Answer 39, 7 through 20. That's a lot. But a man named Potiphar uh-huh. down in Egypt. Going down uh, to Egypt. Threw Joseph into prison. I mean, those are all, I don't know if he threw him in there, actually, yeah, but he put he Joseph into prison. Why did that happen? You find it in chapter 39. verse. The whole story is verses 7 through 20, but I see. you'll find the answer quickly. Okay, well, there you go. And uh, and I, I got a couple that I can jump over to Exodus with. Okay, go ahead. Or do you want to wait till we answer those? Let's get. Let's go ahead and give him one more, and then we'll sure. go get Bernadette. She's late, no, waiting on line one. Oh, okay. All righty. Let's see here. Um, You've got it. Yes, I do. In Exodus three six, God said to Moses, "I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob." Many Ooh. centuries later, how did Jesus use that to mean to demonstrate that to the Sadducees that there is resurrection? And life after death. That was your number nine? Uh-huh. Okay, and I thought you'd like that one. I th- yeah, I think I do still, <laughs> after all these years. that's In, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 6, God says to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. You know, I can't get my, my God voice going I, there. I but many centuries later, Jesus uses that statement, that verse of Scripture, to demonstrate to the Sadducees, that the Bible does teach, indeed, that there is resurrection, that there is life after death. Okay, and the last one is your number 11. And Why that's found, by the way, Matthew chapter 22, verse 32, that place. So, okay. So uh, what's the question there? How did, God, how did Jesus use that statement okay. to demonstrate that? How, does that? how does that prove that there's life after death? Okay. okay. And the other thing is... Uh, ele- you're 11. Okay. And why don't you read that? Because my eyes are fading. Two... <laughs> I noticed they were fading, just disappearing from view entirely. To his amazement, God told Moses that he would not only deliver Israel out of Egypt, but that they would leave Egypt with much of the much of Egypt's wealth, which was, I'm I'm sure beyond imagine. Just the idea of being able to get out of. uh, bondage and out of slavery was great enough, but God says, I, "Not only am I going to take you out of Egypt, but I, you're going to come out of there with a great deal of Egypt's wealth. They're going to give it to you. How would they get these riches from the Egyptians? Look at Exodus chapter three, verse twenty-one through twenty. Oh, this oh. is this is the word you wanted me to see earlier. Uh-huh. Exodus chapter three, verses twenty-one through twenty-two. Yes. How were the and Israelites? I would like to, when we get that, mm-hmm. I'd like to discuss that just, yes. just a bit. He wants to pontificate a bit. I'm, 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 I'm sure it's a great idea. Though. Would be a Catholic word. Well, it, <laughs> okay. I didn't really intend it that way. But let's go to our phone lines and visit with Bernadette. She is calling in tonight. Hi, Bernadette. Hi there. I'm sure glad to How hear you? your voice. Thanks for calling in. You're welcome. 
I have an answer for you, and I have a question for you. Okay, good. One answer first. Okay. Uh, Judah is the one that suggested that they sell Joseph instead of killing him. And my question for you is, who sold Joseph into slavery? Ah, it was my ideal to sell Joseph as a slave to a caravan. Okay. <clears throat> and so she got that correct, Judah. She got that. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, Bernadette. I, I didn't want to miss That's the, the applause. Bell, but, uh, we want to make sure you get no. plenty of self-esteem out of here. <clears throat> you bet you. I take a bow. Now then, <clears throat> it it sounds to me like, not, not a trick question, but a very interesting because superficially, don't we just assume that it was kind of all the brothers? Uh, I'm guessing you're going to give me a surprising answer. You got an answer to that question, Jacob? I do. Who actually yeah. sold Joseph to the caravan of Ishmaelite traders? Is that the question, Bernadette? Who sold Joseph into slavery? That's yes. my question. All right. Well, I'm dun, going to wax dun, dun, philosophical, dun, 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 ding. and I'm I'm going to say his his brothers did all of them evidently together. Uh, maybe maybe the older one had the greater responsibility or something, but also um, uh, I'm I, going to got, stop you and tell you that his brothers didn't sell him. Didn't do it, and I'm sure that no, they didn't. Okay, and I'm sure that Jacob can tell you who are you, sold him. Are, are you spiritualizing and say, maybe saying that God did it? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, no, I'm not. No, I have actual people that did it, and it's in verse twenty-eight. Oh, my lens. Look yeah, at this. Bernadette knows. <laughs> yes, I do. I can't believe that first segment. Is over so fast. That was Bernadette, fast. don't go away, okay? Not go away. Do not go away. We are going to come back in just a wow, brief time, a short break, and come back and visit more with Bernadette about who was it that actually sold Joseph to these traders, all right? So you can look it up with us if you like. She gave us, I think she said chapter 28, no, verse 28, 37, 28, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. This is The Bible Live. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist, pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers, and whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to the laptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590 7878. 
Well, Elizabeth and I went to Lux Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work, we had got our oil done before. It could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't very expect nice. to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Whether you're down on the river walk or up in the hill country, take us with you wherever you go. Download the KSLR app for your mobile device at kslr.com. That's kslr.com. Well, you heard the Bible live. Let us hear from you. Call Soapy now at 877-80. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Started to give you the old eights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the toll-free number there. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Glad you're back with us, folks. This is the Bible live, 340-9585. Thank you and so much. Now, who is um, Bernadette? Bernadette's on here with us, and she has asked a very intriguing question, and you have got us all a flutter here in the studio. It looks as if Bernadette, you're on to something. In many of our English, you're on to something. It didn't say you're on something. Not you're on something. (laughs) You're on. You're on the Bible. That's what she's. She's. it looks yes, I'm like, actually reading the Bible. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, that's a, <laughs> she's actually reading it. A novel idea. What a novel <laughs> idea. Well, now you. It says here clear in in most of our English Bibles, it's very clear that it seems clear in English as it's come to us that the brothers sold their uh, their younger brother Joseph into uh, slavery, but. Jacob is here with his interlinear Hebrew. Uh, oh, that's I'm looking at the. This is the Torah. The other thing I brought okay. for you is the interlinear. Oh, okay. Well, he's looking at the Torah in Hebrew, and it actually the the the. Would it be fair to say that it's not absolutely clear as to who did it what? Because the, the pronoun they. I, I would say that if you actually read it, it's quite clear. Okay, well, we did actually read it. It all stems on that pronoun they, doesn't it? I like that word pronoun. Is there a con noun? <laughs> a pronoun and a con noun. No, no, no. But uh, at least from okay, what I, we're looking it, at here, let me Bernadette. read it from the Hebrew. Okay, okay read it from the Hebrew. Uh, okay. But English translation, of course. Uh, 28. Midnight men, traders, passed, uh, passed by. They drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit. 
and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver and brought and they brought Joseph to Egypt. Now, exactly. Now here is the next couple of verses. So let's take a look at this and uh, if I might offer this. Because the next couple of verses helps helps us decide who the pronoun. I love that word. Pro, okay. Pronoun, uh-huh. uh, uh, who? Uh, that, let's look at the very next verse. That says, "Look at twenty nine. Twenty nine. Uh huh. Now see, this is not going to make logical sense if it was the brothers that sold them. It says, Reuben returned to the pit. Ah, to and, get Joseph yeah, out of wait, the system. Wait, wait. And and I'll tell you what it says. And it's like a real excited thing. I'll jump the gun in here, the Hebrew. Huh? And it says, Reuben returned to the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit. Now, it goes on like that. So the point is, either all these brothers had Alzheimer's, or they're not the they that took him out of the pit, because they went back to the pit, and he's gone. And they say, my gosh, what happened to him? Now, it doesn't logically make sense. The child is not. The child is not. Now, it seems to me, Bernadette, that Jacob actually has a point, and it's not the one on his head. (laughs) You both have done very well for us tonight. That is a very keen observation. Now, what difference does it make? Okay, Bernadette, tell me a little bit about, as you think of that, how does it change? Does it change anything essential about the story, or how does it change your perception. You're asking me if something in the Torah, your understanding of something in the Torah, if it's different, you're asking me if that makes a difference? No, I'm Whoa. not asking. I'm so, not, that was a good question, <laughs> Sophie. That's I'm a good not question. asking you if it makes a difference. <laughs> I'm asking you what is the difference? Oh, boy. Did that, was I that would a say weave? it's the you difference. seen him. He was Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali. I got a bob and weave. <laughs> Floating like a butterfly. Stinging like a bee. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry about that. I would say that it's the difference between what God said happened and what God said didn't happen. That's nice. the difference. That's Torah. Yes, exactly. And I, I agree with you 100%. We want to be accurate in our understanding of what God did what really happened in in a given moments and and I don't know why the NIV the living, you know New Living Translation and other I don't know why the preponderance of well, English you, hey, of so? English translations uh, seem to say the other. Well, would you look at twenty nine? What does your twenty nine say? Twenty nine. Uh, that's the, that's the one you just read to us. Yeah, but I want to see what yours says. Oh, it see. says sometime. It says the same thing you said, but but they don't seem to make the connection. Oh. Sometime later, it says Reuben returned to get Joseph out of the cistern. Uh-huh. When he does, and I don't know why he would return to get him out of the cistern if he already knew he had taken him out, right? <laughs> uh, to get Joseph out of the cistern. when he discovered that Joseph was missing, he discovered it. Uh oh. He didn't already know about it. Uh oh. He tore his clothes in grief. Then he went back to his brothers who were also supposed to have known about it since they were supposed to have done it. And he told them, the boy is gone. What will I do now? So I I, I am willing and able and ready to concede. It's not, I mean, I didn't do the New Living Translation. I don't, I I didn't do the translation work. It wasn't my fault. fault, But what I'm saying is (laughs) I'm wondering why we, at time, now it doesn't happen all the time, of course, in our English Bibles, but I wonder why we miss those things. And then I wonder, too, about 
is it just an honest mistake? Is it, I was telling Joseph before the program that sometimes when I look into... Who's Joseph? Jacob. I'm oh, sorry. Just wondered. Just wondered. Okay. I was telling Jacob before the program tonight that sometimes when, when I look into a concordance or to an interlinear Greek or Hebrew Bible to do research and study, what they'll say is, well, the actual Hebrew word here is such and such. And they'll say, but that, that word is... And we're going to talk about that later tonight, the word prison. Yes. Uh, I think. Hey, For that's example, good. Good tie-in. Uh, so, yeah. Joseph talks about the uh, we, the Bible talks about the guy, the idea that uh, Pharaoh took Joseph out of Potiphar's prison. Now, I, let me ask you a question. Uh-oh. Uh oh, <laughs> here comes, here comes. Did what did Pharaoh take Joseph out of in oh, that pattern? What, what is the verse? He took him out of the pit. How about you? Boy. <laughs> you are, There's you a are difference now. between people that listen to other people say this is what it means and people who study yeah. Torah. Yeah, well, this this is exactly right. In that passage, the, the word there, and what I told jo- Jacob, I cannot explain why, why the English translation says it takes him out of the uh, prison instead of the word is he took him out of the pit. It it it, it yeah. definitely says pit, not prison. And Jacob has a beautiful explanation of that, which I think is very edifying and constructive for all of us as God's people. It's got a yeah, the same. Uh, yeah, I get it. Jacob's holding his Hebrew Bible as if it makes sense to me. It's all written backwards, Jacob. I don't get it, but anyway, no. But I'm no, wondering. I'm yeah, sure we'll be edified by that. Yeah, I'm wondering sometimes why that happens because sometimes it says, okay, the word here is such and such, prison or, or pit. But some, and they'll say this word is used, they'll say this word is used 37 times in the Hebrew Scriptures and, uh, you know, 18 times is translated this, another nine times is translated prison, and another uh, 10 times is translated this. And they will give these. At times, the same word is translated differently. It seems, they say, in in the, and they'll give you, well, so this is kind of what we think this means. Now, it seems to me very well, obvious. There's, there's a there's a good reason for that, though. You know that the ancient Hebrew didn't have vowels. True. And that modern Hebrew does. All right. So. If you translate a word that has no vowels, it's very easy to translate it one way. And if you put different vowels, translate it another way. Since there are no vowels in the ancient Hebrew, that makes a significant difference. Do you understand that? I do. Uh, you take the word war, word, W-E-R-E. They were there. It could be uh, war, W-O-R-E. It could be, uh, I mean, you, if you take out the vowels and substitute other vowels you could make a dozen words or more out of it so i can exactly wow i can see how complicated it becomes yeah well, that's why the tetragrammaton is so confusing because nobody knows how that's said well that's why i was asking you and i i did not mean it as a trick question or even it's a totally respectful and i was asking that okay granted the English translation there is wrong, and that there is a there's a definite difference. What is the difference, and what how does it change our understanding if 
the children sold their brother into slavery, which evidently later on in Egypt, Joseph says, you what you did, you intended for evil, but God intended for good. He does give them some. They do bear some responsibility for what happened. So in, yes, in because way, they threw him into the pit. Yeah. Ah, into the pit. That's, yeah, right. that's right. But he but it is a. It is important to note that they didn't actually weren't the ones that sold him to the Ishmaelite traders. Uh, going now, in, in my mind, Jacob's got an idea for us here. But uh, do you think of other uh, conclusions or other uh, observation, uh, other things we learn by that change of that detail change of who? Well, it may affect. It may have affected how he felt about his brothers. If your brother sell you into slavery, uh-huh. you might feel a little differently than if merchants sell you into slavery. And he was very gracious and forgiving toward them, wasn't he? He was. He was very. It, it may be that. Yeah, I can see that. That may, I see a connection clearly between those. That's very, very. You have been a real blessing, Bernadette. You're doing what God's people. What Jewish people are commanded to do is help us Gentiles understand the scriptures better. Thank you so much. I, I, I really appreciate it with all my heart. I think it's a wonderful thing that you guys can bring to our discussions and our understanding of God's word. Now, I want you to hear Jacob has a thought about uh, this uh, pit, this whole idea of the pit yes. and the prison. Yeah, sure. And All right. Oh. Yes. Uh-huh. And if you want to listen off air, you certainly can, or you could stay I, with us. I will. Okay. All right. All right. Thank all you, right. Bernadette. Thank you. Yeah, there is no doubt that it is definitely in Hebrew that the that he was put into the pit. And the, and then later on, we know that he was put into prison. And it actually says, from the Hebrew, prison in Egypt. But when... Uh, Potiphar's. He was, he was Potiphar? a servant to exactly this general so. in, in, yeah. in, in Pharaoh's army, and his wife falsely accused him of, uh, you know, of... Uh-huh. Uh, take, um, of trying to, uh, what he, uh, you know, uh, what, uh, flirting with her or something, yeah. and it, and might it, have been a when bit he stronger than that. when he rejected her, then then she uh, trapped him and uh, entrapped him and got him accused of mm-hmm. that. And in Potiphar, in his anger, uh, what he thought was ri- righteous indignation, I guess, uh, believed his wife and put uh, our friend Joseph uh-huh. in prison. Yeah, and I think where that takes place, where he gets put in prison, is uh, thirty nine twenty. And so he gets put in prison. Now, it actually does say prison. Okay. All right. So what's happened is the brothers are originating this problem by putting him in the pit. Then he gets accused of, you say, flirtation, and aren't you a polite man to say it that way? <laughs> uh, but the uh, then he gets stuck in prison. However, it says the most interesting thing when... Pharaoh takes him out, and that is in chapter 41, and I believe it's verse uh, 14. Well, he goes through this thing with the baker uh, and yes. the cupbearer yeah. and this telling their dreams, and sure. so there's this little adventure. Right. And he does. Look, can we let's hold it to the pit, though? Yeah. Okay, but when it actually says in Hebrew, and most English Bibles that I've looked at uh, puts the word prison, and I'm mm-hmm. going to come to your defense and okay. the Christian Bible's defense somewhat, because... It logically, I'm thinking, if he got put in prison by Potiphar, well, the logic is the guy that took him out would be Pharaoh, took him out of prison, right? 
Now, if and that's the logic, so that's why they come up with the word prison. So there's no criticism intended there. But in Hebrew, it says... But the word is not prison. No, it is not. It is pit. Now, why would it say pit instead of prison? That Pharaoh took Joseph out of, not the Potiphar's prison, but took him out of the pit. Right. And that was uh, 30, uh, I believe that's uh, 4114. Okay. Now, in most English versions I looked at, I look at, they say prison. And I see the logic as to why it occurs. But there's a larger lesson here, as I have come to understand. And a deeper logic, I think. Sure. So if the brothers, while they may not have been the actual sellers, they created the adverse circumstances that caused him to be there. And then he had to go through all this prison, all this suffering, everything that happened to him was from the adverse wrong act of the brothers by putting him in the pit. So when the adverse stuff came to an end, he wasn't just taken out of prison by Potiphar. Uh, he was taken out of the pit. The, all the consequences that followed from the wrong acts of the brother has now come to an end. He undid them in, the, in not only taking him out of prison, but he undid the act of putting him into the pit and exactly. beginning this series. Exactly. Is, it really is a phenomenal and, truth and, so and a great insight. It is. It's brilliant. <laughs> And it was meant to convey the idea to you and me that sometimes when we do something wrong to somebody, they live with your the consequences of what you've done to them until God really brings it to an end. And so that's the idea. The lesson is that Joseph went through all this bad stuff because of the consequences of a wrongful act. And after he did all that, then when God decided, keeping with your theme this evening, mm -hmm. when God decided this is the end of this. He isn't just taken out of prison. That's only one of the sequences or consequences of the mm -hmm. bad act. He's taking out of the pit. It's over. He, und uh, he undid yeah. all of the wickedness that had been done, all of the wrong that yeah. had been done, and he began the process of, of restoring right. uh, a wonderful, beautiful picture. See, and and I, that, to me, that makes so much more mm -hmm. meaningful. Oh, yeah, it certainly does, and it sheds light, possibly. I think it would be fair to think and. Ask the question, does this in any way reflect uh, principles involved of God's forgiveness when we are forgiven and cleansed? Does he undo uh, this whole idea of yeah, undoing it, yeah. the, the guilt of the whole act? Yeah. It didn't remove the consequences. Now, Joseph still did spend, what, 25 years or so? Uh, 12. 12 years? Is that it? 12 <laughs> Just 12 years? <laughs> and what he went through, I mean, this young man, I mean, sold into slavery and servant servitude and then falsely accused of, of, of sexual impropriety then cast into prison and then he was wrongly he was wronged by the baker and the and the the cupbearer they didn't tell his oh, story thank accurately. you can we reserve can we visit that for yes a second? we can go ahead okay. well okay you say why would one guy the cupbearer and the baker why does one get killed and one doesn't because, you see, it, Hebrew, as Bernadette was pointing out, did not have vowels. It's a very, what they call, a, it's a poverty language because it's a very small language. It's not like Greek, Latin, English. We have large varieties. Lots of verb tenses sure. and lots of, mm -hmm. yeah, okay, pronouns. So, pronouns and con-nouns. That's right, con-nouns and pronouns. And okay. there's, there's proverbs and con-verbs in the Bible, I'm sure. Anyway, but uh, the, but here's the point is that so what happens is when the baker, what is the difference between a baker and a wine taster? 
Well, if you look at a wine taster, he's the one, by the way, that does not get killed. He doesn't get hung by Pharaoh. Because somebody could slip something into the wine right there at the moment. But a baker, he had, had to be in the bread. He had to not be watching. He had to prepare it. And so all that he wasn't watching at all, they got baked in the bread. So it took a lot more opportunity. To so cook. he was either complicit or part of the uh, complicit or, uh, or, or irresponsible. Yeah, irresponsible. Sure. So that's the idea. And so uh, and so wow. certainly. Yeah. See, it all starts making sense if you catch the old Hebrew understanding. And so what happens is, is when he's taken out of the pit, that's when things come to an end. And it certainly was the hand of God. Now, you said that uh, G- Joseph said what you meant for evil, God mm-hmm. meant for good. Well, and I was right. saying, you know, he undid the con- he undid and restored Joseph, but that he didn't ex- exactly remove. He didn't he didn't make Joseph. I mean, he still spent 12 years in prison. Yes. In other words, it's sometimes something akin to a story of a fellow who goes out and in in a drunken brawl or something. He he gets in a fight in a bar. He's a godless uh, reprobate and he rebelling against God and so on. And he and he gets in a fight and someone shoves a broken beer bottle into his eye and he loses the sight in his eye. Yes. Okay, and perhaps as a result of that, or maybe some years later, or something different, God brings him to repentance, and the and the man comes to faith uh, in God and faith in in Christ. He's born again. He becomes a new a believer, and he's forgiven and cleansed, but still missing an eye. Still missing an eye. So, how do we? This is the story. He's forgiven and cleansed. That the sin is forgiven, uh, but he atoned. But he still has the consequences. Is that? How does that relate to your story? Well, that's, a, that's a, really the point that you're making is this guy is going to live with somebody else's wrong actions. So he has to live with them. But it's meant to teach us that what we do has consequences to other human beings. That's why it's so important, to, from my point of view, to follow God's laws. So if I do this, I do not do this harm to other people. That's my feeling. I will tell you, you know how you talked uh, and show you how words mean different things like you were saying, mm-hmm. like prison or whatever. Uh, and that's how it gets into the English translation. I understand. I appreciate that. But let me give you an example. When uh, Potiphar puts Joseph in prison, now it says he put him in charge of his whole household, everything. Remember that? Okay. And then it says he didn't watch anything except the bread that he ate. Well, does that mean Joseph was in charge of the whole thing, but he couldn't have a sandwich? <laughs> that doesn't mean that. The bread that he ate is a Jewish idiom for who for he, his wife, who he had uh, relationships with. Yes. Is that right? So that's what he's referring to. Because otherwise, he can't. He runs the whole empire, but he can't have a sandwich. Uh, that's kind of silly, isn't it? So it's talking about you. He watched uh, the bread that he ate, in other words, who he had his well, relationship with. kind of proud of Potiphar for having a thing for his wife still. I mean, that's healthy and good. He was loved his wife and cared about her, uh, and uh, uh, yeah. she evidently was not worthy well, was of his. <laughs> i got to say that also Potiphar doesn't get enough credit for one aspect. I know he put him in prison, but here's the catch. It was a death penalty. Mm-hmm. It's understood from the Hebrew background that uh, the reason Potiphar put him in prison because he really knew who his wife was. And so he didn't really want to kill Joseph. So he just stuck him in prison. 
Hmm. So it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It really is. Well, I want to take another point from that sure. then because it has to do with the other theme that I was thought we'd discuss a little bit today if we got around to it. Uh-oh. And that is some of these basic principles that are put in place in the book of Genesis here. And uh, I think one of the more serious ones that I would talk about, there, there's several I, I mentioned to you that we could talk about the existence of God. I mean, that's something that the Bible doesn't set out to prove the existence of God. It assumes the presence of God and and the reality of God in, in every aspect of human experience from creation on through and even even here in the book of Genesis, even with Joseph, it never says, you know, God, Joseph says, but God and God and Joseph believe that, that God was there. So so we could talk about the existence. We talk about some aspects of the character of God. Uh, you know, he, he is omniscient, omnipotent, eternal in nature. He is good. He is gracious. He's loving. Uh, but he's holy and he's righteous and he's just. So there it is. God at times is seen as a judgment, a God of judgment. And so we we have this, uh, and then there then there are some aspects of God of of truth here that come out that God created a, a, a little bit of anthropology, a biblical anthropology is why did God create mankind? How what was His purpose? What was our purpose? What was His intention? And it's very clear that mankind was. I think it's clear. You, it seems clear that the mankind was created. Uh, to enjoy a relationship with God, a, a right, a holy, righteous, pure relationship with the Creator. We were given unique capacity to respond to God, the gift of reason and the gift of uh, self-awareness and so on, and that God created the human race in order to call out a people for himself. I will be their God, they will be my people, which also means that there was a choice involved and that here on planet Earth, we live in a context where both good and evil exist. We don't live in a we don't live in a kind of a idyllic world where uh, anything that's wrong, if a bullet is shot and it's headed toward an innocent seven-year-old child, it doesn't turn into a marshmallow just because it's heading toward <laughs> an innocent child. It, it it's still bad things happen to good people or innocent people, and sometimes good things happen seem to happen to wicked terrible people and that's the part of which the which one human, bothers you more which one bothers me the most of yeah. those two bad which things happening to good most? people or good things happening to bad people hmm. boy i just can't maybe that's somebody could call in question. and tell us what their opinion is what bothers you more bad things happening to good people are good things happening to bad people? I think I would have to confess. Just uh, it's the first time I've ever been asked that, and I thought I'm guessing from my own life experience and emotional. If I look back at the way I responded to things, I don't know if it's a good thing or not. But it seems like I get more upset when good things happen to bad people. Really? Yeah, like when a Bill and Hillary Clinton are such crooks and terrible people. To me, they seem all the evidence. The evidence I look at, wow, I don't see any evidence of benevolence or good people at all. Self-serving and selfish, and corrupt, and so on. And and to see them just go on and nothing ever happen, and they get filthy rich and millions and all this, almost elected president. I think, wow, that's just not that disturbs me. And maybe it disturbs me in a way more than like 
and I'm, you know, I'm just being honest with you, I don't know why it disturbs me more. Maybe I always sort of suspect in the case of good people, uh, bad things happening to a good person, maybe we always kind of have that inherent idea and suspicion that, well, they must have done something. You know what I mean? That's the Job's three friends. Well, Job, you're, you must be a sinner. <laughs> Don't put me in the category with them, please. Oh, but I, I know. I hear you. Wow. This has gotten personal all of a sudden. i gotta get out, <laughs> got to get out of this. Uh, anyway, folks, that's the second uh, half hour of our Bible Live broadcast gone by. You can join with us, 340-9585, if you have an idea Oh, any of these things we talk about. We're going to come back and talk about this whole idea of evil, its place, and, and how significant is it that we understand that human nature is fallen, that we are sinful, sin-prone, uh, irresistible, irrevocable tendency to selfishness and sin that is part of our reality. How important the truth is that to the way we live today? Three four zero We'll be right back. is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. All right, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light to my path. How precious is God's word to us as individuals and uh how important it would be for us as a society to return. Now, we are blessed in this country that our founding fathers were men and women highly influenced by the old book. And many of those basic principles that we see in the scriptures uh, that we talk about here in the book of Genesis here at the beginning that are laid out for us, they understood them, they they trusted in them, they believed them to be true, and they built this form of government, this representative republic, constitution, our constitution, and so on, they built it on those basic truths, taking those into into consideration in putting together the systems of checks and balances and so on. That's how they dealt with this whole idea of the fallen sinful nature of man, that uh, that there is an irrevocable, irresistible tendency. What did you call it, Jacob? Well, the rabbis call it the evil inclination. This inclination to selfishness or sin that we have as human beings. Uh, And and it's laid out for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. I mean, there's so many passages uh, in the Bible that not only say it outright, but uh, the description and, frankly, even our own personal knowledge of human experience uh, we would say, yeah, we all we all mess up. Even if you don't have a standard, even if all, the only standard you have is your own, we all seem to we even we even disappoint our own standards of what is right and good. We'll we'll find ourselves uh, uh, contradicting our own understanding of it uh, in, in in every case I know about. So the, this whole idea that we live in a world where good and evil coexist. And that uh, the reason for the, and it's it's not an accident. 
God knew what he was doing. He, he, we're told he put together this world the way it is, the way it has turned out, the way it has become. And uh, you can, we don't have time in this program to think through every possibility that could have happened and so on. But we, we do believe that God put together the world the way it exists intentionally. We live according to God's design in a closed system ruled only by morally neutral natural law. Like I said, a, a bullet doesn't turn into a, mash, a, mar, a marshmallow just because it's headed toward an innocent person. Uh, this world is ruled by morally neutral natural laws, and uh, good and evil do coexist. And, and God, in a general sense, does not intervene. Uh, the, yes, there are moments, there are things we see that happen that it seems God indeed has stepped in, and we see a lot of that in the Scriptures. Uh, God has stepped in and does things. All things ultimately are of his design. Uh, and, and so we can, you know, he is ultimately still in charge of everything. He hadn't released, he's only put options, additional sets of options involved. But the idea is calling out a people for himself. And if we're putting together a government that's going to govern and rule or organize a people group, let's say a society like the American society, uh, we have to know that Evil is real. There are truly wicked, evil people who will hurt you, who will steal from you, who will take from you, who will abuse you in every way. And they're there. And so we put together a society that safeguards innocence and, and righteousness and goodness and, and, and punishes or even does everything to, to, keep, to, to, to limit wickedness and evil. Uh, and to you know give justice as as best we can in an in an imperfect world, of course. So that's the idea. And and frankly, Jace, Jacob, with your background as a lawyer as well, that's just, uh, I, I bet you guys are. I bet you're just rich with these kind of thoughts, with these understandings. Well, uh, there's a, a colloquial saying that more lying goes on in the courtroom than anywhere else in the world. <laughs> I don't want to hear this. <laughs> okay. You know, I have a very good friend. We talked to him uh, some weeks ago, uh, uh, my friend Franklin Hauser. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that uh, I remember one time, I, I hope Franklin will forgive me if I misquote him on this, but I was talking to him one time about these themes of justice and righteousness and goodness, and and he was talking about in the, in the, in the justice system, in our court system. And he said, well, no. He said, Sophie, you have to, one thing you learn in, in law school I hope I'm quoting him correctly. He can call me and correct me if not, or maybe you can. Is that when you go into a courtroom, the the direct objective, the primary objective is not justice. It's the primary objective is the perfect trial. In other words, you you want all the you want all the evidence to be true. You want the you want to you know, dot every I, cross every T. You want everything done properly and in order and rightly because if that is true, then you have the greatest, you have a greater possibility, not a guarantee, but to have the greater possibility of justice being done. So what you're looking for is a, is a perfect process, a fair and just process. You know, it, it, does that make sense to you? Well, yeah, I prefer to look at it like a, it's a microcosm. Uh, of of the world in general, because mm-hmm. each side, it's not their job is really to determine individually the right or the wrong. I guess that's their the job jury, is, right? Huh? Well, 
It's the whole system. It's the courtroom. I see. I come in. I might say what I want to say as best I can on my side. The other side is going to say what they can best they can on their side. The judge is going to make the decision on supposedly, hopefully, what's correct. What's and fair and in. right to be said and, yeah, and so on. Yeah, but generally. Uh, According could, to the laws. Well, and, and as I was going to say, then what completes the microcosm is the jury. You've had competing ideas presented if you've got a fair judge. And one of the real problems with courts today, and it's going to go a little contrary to what you're thinking, I'm going to say, but is that you've, oh, got, that's a new thing. you've got judges, frankly, that never practice law. They usually come right out of the government employment now. They come out of prosecutors' offices. They, they, that's the only thing they've known. They've never had to represent a human being that had real-life problems. That really, It used to be judges came from lawyers that practiced law. Now they're coming from government employment so often, and they don't have that appreciation of maybe Juan Gomez had a bad day that day, or maybe something happened. Maybe there's other things going. They never really had to represent a human being. So has legal discourse and legal considerations become so technical that a normal person can't adequately serve as a judge? A, normal, a good, a, a good well, normal, intelligent, fair person who doesn't know the law, but has a good sense of common sense. Well, that's, of what's the, role, right that's the role of the jury. They say the judge is the arbiter of law. The jury is the determiner of fact. So it's your, it's your thinking that a judge ought to be a former lawyer. I think it helps a great deal if it was actually a person that had to practice law, had to represent real human beings. Mm-hmm. I think one of the happens is when you get in any kind of government situation, we've got a person, only, the only person they ever get paid by is just the government themselves. That becomes their sole interest. They don't have the idea. They seem to lose sometimes, in my opinion, of the appreciation of what it really is the balance. And you'll find the longer that a guy was a prosecutor, whatever, and became a judge, and then the longer he practices, the less fair breaks, equal, mm. equal minimum. I'm not talking about something unfair. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, the less consideration he gives to the person, let's say, accused. That, that scares me a little. In the same way that, uh, for example, I, it seems to me that our founding fathers did not design and did not think of our federal government particularly the federal government, or maybe even the state levels as well, but federal government, was never actually to be a career. Evidently, their idea was the uh, the, the uh, citizen statesman, their statesman that they would come out of their career, their farming, their, uh-huh. their uh, whatever their career was, writing authors, books, and whatever. Uh-huh. They would come out of that for a season to serve their fellow men, their fellow citizens, uh, four years, eight years, and then they would go back. There was there was not the thought that someone is going to be a permanently... A prime example is the grand jury. When grand juries were originally initiated, they had to be made up of people that actually knew the accused. They had is to know right? them because they had to know what their reputation, what kind of human being they were. Where, where did they live? How did they live I their lives? I did not know that. Today, they will not allow anybody on a grand jury that actually knows the accused. Well, they will not allow... Who won't? The, 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 the courts. Oh, I thought the lawyers would probably. No, I'm not talking. I said a grand jury. Well, they won't even let you in there in the grand jury. If you, if you, they'll say to a grand jury, potential do grand jury. Do you know jury, the difference? Does anyone know? That, and they no, would no, say, no. well, do yeah. You, yeah, but do you know the difference? 
I'm not talking. Yeah, about, I do know the difference. I'm not talking about jury. the jury in yeah. a trial. I do know the difference. We're right. talking about a grand jury. A grand jury people. decides if someone there's enough evidence to put somebody on trial. Or right, not. and who gets to talk to the grand jury? Only the prosecuting Only lawyer. Only the prosecutor. I as that's why. They and had, the district attorney. Well, attorney. same guy. Attorney. Yeah, the but district what attorney. they say that's why they say they could indict a ham sandwich. I've watched a lot. You've of, heard that, right? I could indict a ham sandwich. You've heard that? Yeah. That's the reason. Because they won't allow anyone on there. See, who, it used to be grand juries actually required people to actually live in a neighborhood that knew people. So they know, is this guy, is this some, this not consistent with this guy? But today, you cannot be on me. if you know the guy. Is that a bad change to you? I th- sure, I think so. Because I know if you, if you were accused and I was on a grand jury, I'd say, you know, Soapy's not that kind of guy. I just don't think this, he'd, he'd do this kind of thing. Whereas if I know nothing except what somebody tells yeah. about you. John, take a note of that, would you, that, what he just said. We want to get a recording of what he uh, okay. I want to take him out of context. And, well, anyway, and, no, I know we it. got a caller. Oh, yeah, we do. Okay, we do. We have a caller. Uh, oh, my goodness. We Let's go to it quickly then. I am so sorry, Bob, that you were on there, and I it skipped my attention. Thanks for calling in. Bob is with us. Uh, uh, welcome, by the way. Did you have a good Thanksgiving, my friend? It was pretty good, uh, Soapy. Uh, Wednesday, I went over to my brother's house and with his family, we had, we had a, a celebration. I also went to Sukkot uh, down at Somerset and uh, um, between Somerset and Poti to a small congregation there. We had Sukkot. That's really the, the Thanksgiving mm-hmm. that's really in the scriptures. But uh, it's also known as the Feast of Tabernacles. But uh, anyway, I did want to give some news about uh, a shooting that happened over at... Uh, on Black Friday here in San Antonio, and I have some news about one of the victims. Sure. But uh, before I get to that, sort of as a culmination of your show, uh, I wanted to kind of uh, comment on your question about uh, what bothers me more, is something bad happening to a good person or something good happening to a bad person. Uh, ben Franklin said it's, it's, it's an ill wind that blows no good. So uh, sometimes when uh, a bad person, maybe through Ill, uh, ill-gotten gain, buys a yacht, he still might give you a, a nine-to-five job building the yacht. So uh, there's, there's there's maybe some good that comes out of that Sure, uh, that's, uh, that's for, for everyone. Every, everyone can kind of share. And it even says that the, the rain falls on both the, the, the just and the unjust. That's right. And uh, also it says that the rich, it's harder for him, if he got ill-gotten gain, it's harder for him to enter into the uh, kingdom than a, a, a needle going through an eye or a camel going through the needle's eye gate yeah, in right. the city. So, so uh, I, I would, I would definitely feel more, more uh, compassion for the person who uh, something bad happened to them, like Job. And uh, anyway, this uh, shooting that happened over at uh, one of the shopping centers here on, on Black Friday, and uh, a good Samaritan was killed. And uh, there was some stray bullets, and uh, I go to a congregation, a Seventh-day congregation, and they call themselves Christians. I don't really call myself a Christian, but they call themselves Christians, and they, they do keep kosher sure. uh, to an extent, and they keep the Seventh-day and, and uh, the Holy Days. Bob, and, uh, before you go further, uh, let me ask you to do something. I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar with this news story you're talking about. I know about the policeman that was shot. Yeah, it was at the Walmart on Vance Jackson. Okay. Uh, there was a, a good, uh, there was a domestic disturbance, according to the police, uh, between a man and a woman in an automobile, perhaps, and and someone came up and tried to break it up, and he was shot dead by the by the male. Okay. The male was later corralled out in Castroville someplace, 
but uh, by the authorities. Okay. But there were some stray bullets, and uh, I, I, the uh, a woman who is uh, uh, connected to the congregation by by uh, being a cousin of one of the members was uh, shot in the liver and had emergency surgery on Friday. And uh, so it's kind of like uh, bad happening to a good person. Right. But uh, she was shot in the liver and then had emergency surgery, and then she had more surgery on uh, Saturday. I don't know how that went, and I don't know her condition now, but okay. I just uh, would, would like people to uh, take a moment to uh, put her forth in prayer Amen. tonight, Amen. and uh, hopefully uh, she'll be okay. But uh, these are the things that happen. And when you kill a person, uh, it's like you could uh, you kill a whole a whole world because uh, I, I really see this in the mathematics field. Uh, we used to think there's a point A, a point B, and a line between point A and point B. But then the mathematicians began to look deeper and deeper, and we found that that point is actually a sphere, and there's an infinite number of points inside that sphere. So when you when you kill a person, you actually kill all the potential world that that person could have made for instance uh, some people out of abraham a great na great nations were made and great populations were made so if you kill a person it's it's a terrible thing mm -hmm. and uh, so I, I hate to see bad things happen to good people yeah and, and i think what you're relating to there is if you draw point a and point b you draw a straight line between them if you're talking about two dimensions, it's a simple straight line. But if you go into three dimensional, right. then all of a sudden but, uh, that line is, is actually a straw. An it's actually a straw with an infinite number of lines going through that straw. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's the volume. Uh, it, it, it is the, the 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 stone in the Bible that has seven eyes. Those stones are looking east, north, south, west, up and down to heaven and to earth. But that seventh eye is looking inside to the volume of the person, the, co the content of the character. We've gone back to my huh? mathematical background. I have a degree in mathematics, and I, I remember all this stuff vaguely, but you're exactly right. It's, it's, it's known as V. It's sometimes called V in mathematics, but yeah. uh, the letter V. But uh, Martin Luther King said it, the, the content of a person's character is what's inside, and, and Messiah said it's you clean the outside of the cup, but you, you need to worry about the inside of the cup. Mm. That's why he stressed so much Leviticus 19, love your neighbor as yourself, and, and Deuteronomy 6, love Elohim mm. with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your everything. Yeah. Thank so it's come, that love comes from in, that love comes from inside the person, the volume of the person, you know. Thank and you. and then if you kill a person, you kill the volume inside that person. So it's as, as if you have killed a whole a whole uh, world. I know, I know. It's amazing. It's astounding. It. Uh, I, I I really appreciate you bringing this to our attention. It's a very valid thought because it talks to. Do you mind? I'm going to go and let you li listen now. Uh, we're going to discuss a little bit what you've been talking about. We've got a yeah, I'll, 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 I'll hang up. Uh, you all have a blessed right. night. Please Thank remember, you, Bob. Please remember, please remember that girl who got shot. Do you want to give us a first name at least so we can, by I, name, I, I or do you want to just say the girl? I, I don't have it. Okay, I, that's I, all right. I believe, I believe it was a cousin of a woman named Rodriguez. Okay. Father, we do indeed lift up this young lady. Uh, as she's brought up in our conversation today about the realities of the world we live in. We just pray your healing power, your restorative power will be present in her life that you'll bring her in, in your goodness and your will, that it, if that is your will, Lord, that you'd restore her to her family and her health and uh, in this terrible thing she's been a part of. And, uh, but it does reflect the reality of the world we live in. And uh, we can pray and we can ask you to intervene and you, you bring healing 
You also created these bodies to heal themselves and to restore. So we ask you to do that. And, and thank you for, Bob, bringing this to our attention tonight. And we pray for that family and all families across our city that are hurting and suffering, many probably unjustly, uh, for sure. Uh, and we ask that uh, in the name of Messiah himself, your, our Lord. So now I wanted to talk a little bit about that because uh, we've only got a few minutes left here. Let's this whole I think it's one of the principal areas that I think we're off in our society. Uh, we don't want to call evil evil. We don't want to think that anyone is we don't want to hold people responsible. Now, I know you have a very strong, compassionate, benevolent, benevolent and just sensitivity to this because uh, the criminal justice system, even our policemen, we know that even they are not just and right. There are corrupt policemen. And they, they uh, I think one gave me a ticket about a month. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I won't go there. But I mean, but we know. See, that's, that, that is the complexity of this. And what Bob was just talking about is that uh, if you, if you, if you point A to point B in a two-dimensional world, it's relatively simple. But if you add in a three dimensions, uh, height, uh, depth, and, and width, you all of a sudden it's more complicated. Now you throw into that mix uh, the idea of, of, of calculus and, and differential equations, the idea of change. Who invented the calculus? My um, guess it was Moses. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing I didn't limit you to guesses. <laughs> okay. But I will say, I understand you got a ticket about a month ago. On the other hand, when I was 16... And I, you didn't even get me out of it. So. No, I got... Uh, and when I was 16, I got several tickets. I lost my driver's license before I got it. I should have lost yeah. mine. I but, so, in fact, I got driver. so many tickets, Soapy, they gave me a season ticket. <laughs> <laughs> you could only drive at a certain season yeah. of the year. Okay. Anyway... So if you throw in the dimension of time into the, that, you know, a, a fourth dimension, then you see how uh, complex the ideas of justice and righteousness and goodness and so on are in this world. Uh, only God himself, who knows the hearts of men and women and so on, has the wisdom to judge ultimately uh, in our lives as people. But I think what the founding fathers did is they put to, they recognized this sinful inclination uh, this uh, inclination toward evil and selfishness, and they put together a system th- that pits th- the selfishness of one against another, and, and and so the idea is that there is a mitigating influence. That's why I on, say the court was a, a microcosm. Each each party has its role and part to play, but as a whole, when you do it, hopefully as a whole, it comes out just. Right. And the other thing that you've mentioned a number of times that maybe you could um, kind of regurgitate it a bit for us today is the place then of God's people in the midst of that. Here we are. We have good and evil actions and, and attitudes and so on existing. They they here bouncing around like like marbles on a pool table, hitting each other, the complexity of all of that. And in here you've got a people who who have responded to God's goodness and ask God's forgiveness and cleansing and trusting him for they desire justice and righteousness and holiness and we are seeking as God's people to walk uprightly before the Lord and we're trusting him to work in our lives to make us good people so you've often talked about how we are to serve as little beacons of light and harmony righteousness and love in this sin darkened world 
that we have a unique place to serve as God's people. Am I am yeah. I reminding you well, of anything yeah. at all? And I think this is I, for me. This is the rule. If you want justice, do justice. It's your responsibility to be just. God has already set out the rules, and he said, okay, now you got free will. Do what you want to do. But if you desire justice, then you must do justice. And I really feel that way because people will say, well, I'll shade a little gray here. Well, you're not being just. So why would you complain? By what measure you measure, you shall be counted yourself. Mm, great point. The complication with your point yeah. is that even someone as dedicated and devoted and sincere as yourself, we sometimes get trapped into our choices are not always between pure idea of justice and injustice. Sometimes we get trapped between we really are making a decision that between one that is less just or we try to have to decide an option that is more just than the other, even though it's not perfectly just. And I remember a, a, a number, oh gosh, many counseling sessions where people have asked, what's the right thing to do? And I've had to tell them, you know, in this particular situation, you can't do the right thing. You're only every option you have has some element of harm or difficulty of injustice in it. Uh, in the first place, the only moral level ground in the universe, as I look at the scripture and I'm understanding of, of the Messiah and his work, the only moral gr- level moral ground in the universe is at the foot of the cross, is at the place of atonement. It's where God has made atonement and he has judged evil and at that point when we are repentant and, and humble and, and contrite before him, God, in, by the magic of atonement, the magic, I don't mean it like superstitially, but this incredible grace and, that God has extended toward us as humanity, the work of atonement, the work of redemption he has carried out, God has brought about, he has judged evil and that we then can experience forgiveness and cleansing. But even then, sometimes... Uh, after that first step, we go to the cross, we find our forgiveness, and then sometimes we have to make a decision based on, well, what is the lesser evil? Do you what know what's considered the hardest law in the Torah? Ah, never mind. No, I want to hear it, though. Well, Can and you the easiest, say it quickly? What the hardest is, honor your father and mother. And then it says, so you may live long upon land. And then the easiest is wave your hand and send the mother bird away, so you live, may live long upon the land. They're no, both t- promises, right? Well, so we don't know what the value of our actions are. All we know is what the right thing to do is. Great. Thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight. We'll see you next Sunday evening. And our readings will come from, let me tell you this real quick, our readings next week. Uh, where is that? Well, I want to tell you. So that you'll know they come from Exodus chapters 6 through 25. Wow, that's Exodus a lot. 6 through 25 and Psalms 16 through 18. See you then. 888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.